Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, I begin reading in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Christ dying for us and rising again. I thank you that salvation is a blessed salvation and it's free, paid for by the blood of Christ, received freely by all who believe. Father, there's not a one of us that doesn't need to be saved at some point. There's not a one of us that doesn't need a free and glorious salvation our sins forgiven in a home in heaven you have provided that by having your son come to this earth die on the cross and rise again he shed his blood as the only acceptable payment for sin that sinless and spotless blood his alone and now he's risen again he's at your right hand and you have promised Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, we can be freely forgiven. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. For you have told us that the wages of sin is death. And death and hell, uh, the Bible says, are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Father, though it be just, it is a fearful thing. Uh, Father, and yet you offer forgiveness through faith in Christ, your Son. Thank you, God. Please fill me with your Spirit, teaching and preaching your Word this morning. Fill my dear wife with your Spirit, relaying the message and sign. Fill with thy Spirit those that are in the nursery watching the children, Father, and I thank you for the ministry there. I thank you for the Word that's gone forth here already in the Sunday school hour for the children and the adults. Father, we're thankful that we have a glorious living Word of God that we can submit our lives to when we're born again. We can trust your spirit to help us uh, love you more and love others more and, and, and walk according to your commandments. And Father, we pray that we'd see more of that in our own lives and, and that you, more people would receive Christ as their Savior and become your children. And God, we need you this morning. We need your power. Uh, that you glorify your name, that you would edify your church is our prayer. Father, we, uh, we pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to take the next few weeks and go through something the children are familiar with, uh, the Beatitudes, and uh, we spent some time going through that. 
been quite a while uh, since uh, uh, we've gone through it here in the, in the adult assembly. So we're going to do that again for the next uh, few weeks and uh, uh, look at the, uh, at the Beatitudes. And of course, today we are looking uh, at uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, I'll let you know right offhand uh, that about half my notes are introduction, okay? So we'll, get, so, uh, uh, we'll be a little while before we get to point one. Uh, but I trust it will, uh, uh, God will speak to our hearts by his word. It's what we always pray for, what we always look toward is what? For God to do something in us, amen? How does he do that? By his spirit, by his word, and for the glory of his son. That's how he does it. That's how he works. And we're thankful for that. Well, we think about this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and... Uh, uh, it goes from chapter 5 through chapter 7 of, uh, of, of Matthew. And uh, it is the, uh, the first recorded sermon of Jesus. And it's also the longest uh, recorded sermon uh, of Jesus in the scripture. Now as he comes uh, to this mount here and preaches this message, he has already been teaching and preaching throughout Galilee uh, before he comes to this opportunity. Uh, and uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 6, a combination of these uh, uh, scriptures would, would seem to indicate that he, uh, this is also the mount where he chose his 12 disciples. Uh, and uh, before this message, uh, he will list them later in Matthew. But when Matthew speaks of the list, that's not the time that he chose them. Uh, it seems to be at this time here. Uh, and uh, he goes up into the mountain in Luke 6 and, and, and continues all night in prayer, chooses those 12 disciples, comes down the mountain, chooses those 12 disciples, uh, and uh, brings them back up to the mount. Uh, uh, the Bible says, when daylight came, he called the disciples to him and chose 12 of them to be apostles. So uh, he's going to teach them. He's, the Bible says here in, in Matthew 5 uh, that he went up, when he was set, uh, his disciples came unto him. We have to understand that this message of the Sermon on the Mount is to his disciples. It's to believers. Uh, these are some things for us to apply to our hearts and lives in being the lights in this world that God uh, wants us to be. It speaks of the character and the fruits that the Holy Spirit will bring uh, to fruition, bring to pass in our lives within us and, uh, uh, and change us to help us live uh, for the Lord Jesus. Looking at a few of these things, uh, blessed, uh, uh, what a message it must have been uh, for his disciples to hear that. Blessed, 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 time and again. Uh, uh, in these first points that he brings out here, blessed. That's the Greek word uh, makarios, Means uh, it's translated blessed 44 times in our KJV, happy five times, and happier uh, one time. Blessed, happy, a blessed one. Uh, one uh, Greek book I have uh, gives some definitions of words. He gives this, uh, this, this idea of it the state of being marked by the fullness of God. 
blessed. Uh, it's happy. But it differs from happy in a, in, a, in, a, in a great way. Makarios differs from the word happy in that the person who is happy has good luck. Our English word happy. See, happy, uh, the root of that word is hap. And our English word happy, when you're happy, uh, hap as a noun means luck or fortune. Hap uh, as a verb means come about by chance. <laughs> So while uh, there uh, may be that sense of joy and such, that sense of wellness within that, 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 is, that is kind of like happy, it certainly is greater than just being happy. <laughs> because the believer's uh, sense of well-being and that, and that peace in Christ is not dependent upon chance <laughs> or circumstance. It's not even dependent on the things this world offers. It's not dependent upon luck. Uh, matter of fact, we don't really believe in luck in the Bible. Uh, we think God is overseeing everything and uh, working it for his good and his glory. <clears throat> Markarios, blessed. Uh, one who is characterized by, uh, Mar who's, by, by the fullness of God. Aristotle uh, makes a contrast with the Greek word uh, Endes. Endes. Pronounce that right here. Endes is a Greek word that means that lack, to lack. You find it in Acts 4.34. Uh, when the disciples were taking care of themselves, neither did any lack among them. And uh, meaning to lack. But what? This blessed is full. Blessed uh, by God. The blessed person is satisfaction comes from God and not favorable circumstances. There are those who live all their lives seeking to be independently wealthy. Why? Because they think that material wealth will secure their continual happiness. Well, we all know uh, better than that, don't we? We should. Think about it. In order for money or material wealth, by the way, money is what? A means to get material wealth, okay? Uh, but we think about that. Uh, in order for money to provide continual happiness, you would have to, ha have, have to be able to control all of your circumstances with money because happiness is based on circumstance. Uh, and by the way, have we all heard the saying, there are many, the best things in life, what? Money, what? Can't buy. We've all heard that, haven't we? That's interesting. The best things in life, money can't buy. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 6. We'll be going through the book of Timothy starting Wednesday night, verse by verse. Brother Brian will be, begin teaching that. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And so we can have the peace apart from riches. We can be satisfied with what we have, and only God 
do that. Remember, Christ is preaching to who? His disciples. It's his disciples that came up to him on the mount there. We are taught in Proverbs uh, 23, 4, Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Why do we learn that? Well, because our own wisdom tells us if we're rich, everything's okay. <laughs> if the bank account's full and I can buy any car I want and pay for any doctor I want and have any vacation I want and, and have the retirement I want, then all is well. That's our wisdom. God says, throw that away. <laughs> Cease from thine own wisdom. Labor not to be rich. <laughs> Why? Because riches don't bring happiness. Not the way the Bible is talking about it. Not the way Jesus is talking about it. We'll see that. The best things in life are things that money can't buy. We've heard that. Did you know that didn't originate with Christians? At least what most people think is best you can trace these kind of sources. Many say that that, that saying originated with Jean-Jacques Rousseau in 1750, something that he wrote. He wrote, money buys everything except morality and citizens. And they believe it came, it, it, it came from that, originating from that in, 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 in some form or way. Jean-Jacques Rousseau was a secular humanist. He wasn't a believer. Matter of fact, he, he talked about Christianity and he realized, he, his idea was, that is, not, that is not good for the happiness of society. Why? Because it's too divisive. Therefore, if you're going to have a happy society, then don't have it based on Christianity because it's divisive. Not everybody believes. Well, I would submit to you that Jesus Christ is the one we need. Amen? <laughs> and by the way, uh, I'd rather feel sad and go to heaven uh, than be deceived and feel glad and go to hell. Amen? <laughs> Christ died for the sins of the whole world, the Bible says. That did happen, folks. This is God's word. That is what God has done. He has sent his son to die on the cross and to rise again. And to pay for the sins of the whole world. And this world has a limited amount of time. A short work will the Lord make upon the earth, the Bible says. Oh, we want to save the planet. Forget about it. God's got plans for the planet. He's going to destroy it. I'm not saying don't be a good steward. I'm not saying don't litter. You shouldn't litter. I'm not saying try to, you know, uh, uh, try to conserve energy and use things in a, possible, in a profitable way. That's a good thing to do. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God's going to destroy this planet with fire. He said that. And sometime before that, <laughs> what's going to happen? Jesus is going to come back. Amen. Yeah. Every believer is going to be taken out of here. Those who have already died are going to raise from the grave and go up with him. You say, oh, that's a pretty, pretty amazing thing, preacher. Yeah, well, so is rising from the dead. Amen. 
He did that. And he'll do that to everyone that believes in him. And that's what we look for. <clears throat> things that money can't buy. The, great, the best things in life. And the Bible lists some of those things. Proverbs 31, 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Praise God, I did. For her price is far above rubies. I'm thankful for my wife. Many of you are thinking the same thing right now. Amen. Far above rubies. Wisdom from the chastening of God. God disciplines in the lives of believers. Proverbs 3.11 My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. <laughs> if you're a believer, he's going to chasten and correct you and I, isn't he? So we might as well get the mindset, I, I, I don't want to become weary of this for my own good. <laughs> because he will chasten me time and time and time again, by the way, every time I need it. <laughs> Amen? Don't be weary of his correction. Then he goes on to say, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. God corrects believers because he loves us. He goes on to say this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. And the teaching of the context is, when we yield to chastisement and God's correction, we can get wisdom and understanding from that. Amen? And what is that wisdom and understanding worth? That we get from submitting to God's chastisement and not, yield, and not being weary of his correction? What is it? Well, it goes on. For the, for, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. <laughs> she is more precious than rubies and all things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. <laughs> Great riches to allow God to chasten in your life and my life and yield and learn from that chastening wisdom to direct our paths what a blessing things money can't buy uh, song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 7 many waters cannot quench love neither can the floods drown it if a man would give all the substance of his house for love it would be utterly contemned if you put a price on love, you ruin it. You make its value, you take its value away. Why? Because it's priceless. You can't buy it, money. Oh, the things that, and the riches that are there. And, and again, the world, the lost world has recognized that. The air you breathe. You can't pay for that. The water you drink. God sends a drought. No matter how much, how much money you have in the bank, you can't, you can't make it. <laughs> and the world recognizes that. I'm, and I'm talking about the lost world, people who don't know Christ. How much more are we, what? Who know Him and all the blessings, that those, yes, but all the greater blessings that come in Christ. When we, when we become a Christian, what a blessing. What a blessing. 
Now, the order in, uh, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Whoa, what happened there? <laughs> Went from blessed to poor. Does, did, did God get that right? <laughs> Does he, you know, the, the, we got to look closer at this, amen? And he makes the contrast, he makes it all the way down through this first part of the sermon. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. That word poor has the idea, it's, 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 it's a ptokos. We have a, a Greek letter pronounced with a P-T. We don't have any like that uh, in English. You know, ptokos. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. That poor means, uh, it's translated poor 30 times, beggar twice. Poor man once, beggarly once. From being full of Macarius to a beggar. Jesus says, you're full if you realize you're poor. You're full. You're, you'll be full if you know you're a beggar. <laughs> you'll be full and blessed. And yes, uh, joyous along with that if you know you're destitute. Wow. These are some amazing truths. We certainly need the Spirit to reveal them to us. When I think about this word poor in spirit, destitute and beggarly, in order to understand the power and the force of that word, I want to compare it to another word that's translated poor in, in our New Testament and kind of, and kind of uh, contrast it out. It's a word that is a synonym. It means kind of the same thing, but it's, but it's a little different. Uh, and the word uh, in the Greek is... is uh, is uh, penes, penes. And penes means, it's translated poor a lot of times, or translated poor, it's only in the Bible once actually. One who is poor, who earns his bread by daily labor. To toil for daily labor. So we've got tokos, a destitute beggar, but we've got poor, or, uh, penes, someone who they're working for their daily food. We think about that. And we find that, that, that penes, that working for the daily food, we find that in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, where the apostle, and following, where the apostle Paul is talking about uh, giving as God directs to give. And how that God uh, blesses those who give. Uh, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He, God is able to make all grace abound to you. That you always having all sufficiency uh, uh, in all things may abound to every good work. God is able to bless your work and give to you that you may have to give to others. He goes on to say in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 9, he goes on to write, it is written, he hath dispersed the broad, the person who is walking with God, he hath given to the poor, there's that word, penes, given to the person who's just all their daily food at the end of the day they made enough to buy their daily food he hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever poor in spirit but what does this, this uh, other word tokos mean poor in spirit destitute of wealth influence position honor helpless powerless to accomplish an end poor needy I was thinking about 
maybe uh, so, well, consider the use of, of tokos in, in the scripture, poor, this beggarly thing. It's translated uh, uh, in, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 43, where a widow comes into the temple. Remember that? Uh, and uh, the Bible says uh, in, Mount, in Mark 12, 43 and following, And he, Jesus, called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow, that's the word tokos, uh, the same one we're looking at here in Matthew 5, hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want, or her lack, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Jesus used poor in regards to the woman who had now nothing. That was the last. She had nothing left. If you'd go to that woman and say, scrape up a little bit more, will you? And, and put it in there, and God will bless that offering for you. She had nothing left to give. She'd given all that she had. There was nothing left. That's the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. We have nothing in ourselves to offer God. It's translated beggar in the history of Lazarus where he, in Luke 16.20, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at a rich man's gate full of sores. Lazarus had nothing. He was carried out there, laid at the gate with a rich man, fed for the crumbs of the rich man's table. He wasn't earning his living. He was begging for his bread. That's the poor that Jesus said, if you're poor in spirit, you'll be blessed. If we'll realize that. We think about it used again in Mark 19, 21 and following. He, he, he was invited to dinner by some of the scribes and Pharisees and he says, let me tell you how you can have a dinner that's really blessed and God will, God will you'll have some eternal rewards. He says, uh, he's, Jesus said unto him, uh, if thou will be perfect, oh, I'm sorry, this is the, this is the uh, I'll skip down to that. He says unto him, uh, I might have skipped that, let me see. Yeah, I must have skipped that one in my uh, in my writing. But he says what? But he 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 tells he tells them to call the poor and the lame. He says because why? They cannot recompense you when you have the poor and the lame over to and you know those that have nothing. Have some people over that have no way of paying you back. Poor was used there. That that, that word we're talking about here. And uh, amen. That kind of poor. That kind of poor. You see, God is the giver of all things, isn't He? Blessed are the poor, uh, uh, poor in spirit. What God is wanting to make clear to you and I in this relationship is He's the giver, we are the receiver. He's the giver, we are the receivers. Uh, and I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. Because God gives the best things in life, doesn't he? By the way, God is the best thing in life. Christ is the best thing in life. 
The old Bible says in Romans 8, 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for his soul, how shall he not with us also freely give us all things? Once you become a Christian, God what? Freely gives you all things to live the Christian life. As you what? Call upon his name and ask. Uh, in, uh, in Luke, uh, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to give people salvation. Revelation 21, 6. He wants us to come to the fountain of water of life freely. See, God gives salvation to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And how do we live our life now as a Christian? Matthew 7 and 7 and following. Uh, ask and it shall be given you. There it is. Start asking. Why? Because there's a giver and there's a receiver. God's the giver. And I must be what? The humbled receiver. Amen? That's what that tokos is. Someone who has nothing to offer. We'll see that. Jesus says in John, writes, says in John 16, 24, he says to the disciples, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. He had been revealing to them that yes, God loved them. Yes, as God always has provided forgiveness. But now they know through his preaching and teaching that he's the, he's the forgiver. He was the means through which God would provide forgiveness. The Messiah had been revealed. He would die and rise again and forgiveness would come through him. And so he tells them, having taught them these things, he says, uh, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. And now he says what? Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Can I tell you something? If your Christian life isn't full of asking, you're not full of joy either. I'll guarantee you that. Because <laughs> what do we do? We come to God time and time again, don't we? Asking. Asking for Him to help us. Asking for Him to deliver us. Asking to Him to provide for us. Asking to Him to help us walk with Him. Asking, 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 asking. That's what we do. Amen. We are known as those who call upon the name of the Lord. Christians. Because we ask. Because He's the giver. He's the giver. Out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again amen by the way that's what he does that's what he does that's the relationship that's the relationship Point number one. Point number one. We are destitute of any payment for our pardon. How is it that we need to realize that we are poor? We're destitute of any payment for our pardon. What does Titus 3 say? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. We are justified, that's declared righteous, by His grace. That's God's goodness we don't deserve. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. <laughs> when you come to Jesus Christ, you don't come showing Him your works. You don't have any, anything to pay for it. 
You come believing Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. That's what you come with. Because he's the giver. And we need to be the receiver. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 teaches, uh, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Romans 3.19 There are several messages God has put out that reveal our guilt. The message of creation. Romans teaches this. God is all powerful. And we haven't always acknowledged him as such. Guilty. <laughs> There's the message of conscience. Our own conscience tells us, oh, that was wrong to do. Our own conscience says you shouldn't do that. And guess what? We did it anyway. Guilty. There's a second way God speaks to us. Then there's a third way we have the word of God. Someone reads the word of God to us and God says, Thou shalt do this, and we didn't do it. Guilty. Read the word of God and says, Thou shalt not do this, and we didn't do it. Guilty. All the world is guilty. And you can't erase your guilt with good works. What are you going to do? You have nothing to give God. Neither do I. You just got to be a receiver. He paid it all to Jesus Christ. He uh, offers salvation freely to all. Uh, and, and by the way, talk about a priceless thing. Salvation. What is, what is more valuable than that? To know that your sins will be forgiven. And, be, and you'll be going to heaven when you die. That God will be here with you to care for you all through life. What's more valuable than that? There's nothing more valuable than that. Mark, Matthew 16, 26. What does a man profit if he gain the whole world? Lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What price will you put on heaven? And missing hell. He can't put a price on that. By the way, what price can you put on living this life with the wisdom of God? We sure need that today, don't we? Can't put a price on that. Drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. That's what we realize we are. We're debtors. We came to God as a beggar for salvation. The Holy Spirit revealed to us our sin and the Holy Spirit revealed to us by the word of God, by the power, by the, by the power of the Spirit that we were guilty and we had nothing to offer. And the Holy Spirit revealed to us that if we would believe in Jesus Christ, we would be saved. And in our spirit, we agreed with that. See, I believe at that point, our spirit could have agreed or disagreed with him. But being enabled by God, our spirit then we chose to believe. What a glorious salvation. Amen. And so we think about being destitute. We needed to be raised up. <laughs> we need to be raised up. Secondly, what do we see as far as our being, uh, being a poor, uh, uh, poor in spirit? Secondly, what do we see 
uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, we are destitute of any power for our profession. We are destitute of any power for our profession. We are born again. What has God called us to do? To be lights for him. Uh, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. What's the next two words? After that. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. You will have power to be a witness and to do all that I called to, to, to you to do after that. You see, you didn't have any before. Nor did I. Destitute beggars powerless in and of ourselves uh, to please God and to be the lights, the witnesses God's called us to be. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 and following. Paul speaking about ministering for Christ after he's been obviously the great apostle Paul used of God, strengthened by Jesus Christ. All that he did, he gave Christ the glory for strengthening him as we all should. He said, he writes, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. What's that? That's faith in God. Faith in Christ. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think, what's it say? Anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God, who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, uh, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. God saves everyone who trusts in Him. We had nothing to offer. Helpless. Hopeless. We asked and thank God we received because He's the giver. And now He calls us to be lights for Him and we have no power to do it by ourselves. See, Paul said, we aren't sufficient to think, how, what's he say? Anything! Well, I have some things in my life that certainly will be a benefit, you know, to, to God's cause and to the gospel. Uh, I have some things in my life before I'm saved uh, that God can use. No, you don't. And no, neither did I. Anything that you might think you might think was good, you'd have used it in pride, and so would have I, and it would have became the opposite, it would have became bad. Nothing. Paul says, we don't think anything of ourselves. Anything. Nothing that I had in and of myself before Christ helps me in, the, in his ministry. This is nothing I could do could save me. Do we get, are we getting the idea of this poor destitute beggar thing when it comes to spiritual things? <laughs> That's a pretty powerful word. Uh, and by the way, what is this ministry? Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 and following, I think Paul puts it pretty good in these two verses here uh, why, why, what we're here for as Christians. And what we need to do and how we're powerless to do it. In, in Philippians chapter 2, 15 and 16, here it is, Christians, Paul, uh, 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 Paul's writing to believers, that you may be blameless. That is, we live a life that when the world looks at us, they say, wow, they're living a holy life. 
Now God sees our sins. He knows our sins on the inside that people can't see on the outside. Blameless is the world looks at us and says, wow, they're living for God. Their life's different. Uh, they're living uh, a pure life compared to the, the world. They see something different about you and me. What do they see? They see Christ in you and me. Blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. As our life is purified by the power of Jesus Christ and we walk in, in, begin to walk in the commandments of God, and no, we don't do it perfectly, but yet the world looks on us and says, wow, they're changed. They're different. We don't have the power to do that ourselves. We don't have that power. We are a destitute beggar when it comes to turning away from our sins. Just as we couldn't save ourselves, we can't sanctify ourselves. How do we do that? We ask and we beg. Oh God, I, I messed up again. Forgive me. Help me not to do that. And, and we are, we're beggars all, all of our Christian life. But thank God we beg to the, we, we beg to the most benevolent giver. Amen. <laughs> and God giveth and giveth and giveth again. He said, let me get your situation with me straight. I'm the giver. You're the receiver. <laughs> oh my goodness. God utterly slays pride <laughs> that's why there is no place for pride in the Christian life all that was necessary for our salvation Jesus did and all the power necessary to live our salvation God gives through him and he says ask me just keep asking just keep asking keep asking our profession being a witness talks about that that word profession uh, he's uh, uh, Christ is called the uh, uh, the uh, uh, he's uh, we're, we're supposed to hold fast our profession he's the high he's the apostle and high priest of our profession Jesus Christ uh, it's our witness we're supposed to be witnesses for Christ it's our it's our life as a testimony for Christ and that word profession in the Bible uh, in, uh, has the idea of uh, it, it's homologia has the idea of the same word the same word see what are we supposed to do we're supposed to bear witness of Jesus Christ of the same word that he said amen we have the same message our speaking forth is supposed to be like his and by the way if we say we're his and we're speaking forth like his, what else is supposed to be like him? Our lives, amen. The same word. The same word. Do we live what we say? And are we saying the truth? The same word. Matthew 10, 25. It's enough, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. Wow. I want to tell you something. Like many other passages, these beatitudes will just humble you to death. Okay? It's enough for the disciple that he be what? As his master. Let me tell you something. I'm not there yet. <laughs> not there yet. Still begging and asking about that one. Yeah, still doing that. Amen? And by the way, God's still given. I'm closer to God this year perhaps than I was last year. At least I hope I am. God's still given. 
see. And I'm still asking. And we all as believers need to be, amen? Because our path isn't done until he does blow that trumpet or we die. Until then, we're asking and he's given and we can be receiving. Drawing closer to him. Profession. The same word. The same word. John 15, 5. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. Paul said, we don't have anything to claim for the work of the ministry. Here Jesus puts it the other way, gives us the other side of it. Without Jesus we can do what? Nothing. We have nothing of our own selves to contribute. All that is useful in the ministry God put in us and works through us by Jesus Christ. Folks, that's a humbling thing, isn't it? And, but, but praise God. You know what it'll do when we get the truth of this message? We're going to ask more, aren't we? <laughs> we're we're going to beg more, aren't we? We're going to realize, hey, I'm not ashamed to ask. Uh, God, I don't know the answer to this. Uh, uh, give me the answer. God, provide this. God, provide that. But we, we begin asking like God wants us to. Ask and ask and ask and ask because he's the giver. He's the giver. <clears throat> Not by power nor by might, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4.9 God says, I saved you by my son and I'll get it done through you by my son and by my spirit and by my word. It's never us. We'll be a channel that God will flow through if we will just yield to him. Uh, we are destitute of any power for our profession. We saw that we need to be raised up. We don't have any price for our pardon. We don't have any power for our profession. We must be held up. We need God every day. We need strength every day. He has to work through us. And then thirdly and finally. Thirdly and finally, as, a, as, a, as being poor in spirit... We are destitute of any prudence for our perfection. We are destitute of any prudence for our perfection. Hebrews 10.32 But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Well, I have uh, run a great business and built this great uh, uh, company and, and, uh, and uh, used, took a lot of wisdom there. And now I'm, now I'm got saved. Well, God sure can, use my, sure can use my wisdom. No, he can't throw it away. God doesn't use spiritual wisdom. God doesn't get spiritual things done uh, by your power or by your wisdom or by mine. You see, we're also destitute of any wisdom to bring about our perfection. Christ is our wisdom, the Bible says. Uh, Jeremiah 10, uh, 10, 23, uh, 23, O Lord, I, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We don't know the way. How should I walk in this life, God? How should I glorify your name? Don't rely on your own wisdom. Go to the book. Amen. Go to prayer. Because folks, here's where it is. The whole plan's right here. The whole plan's right here. 
There is no wisdom, no understanding, what? Nor counsel against the Lord. Proverbs 21.30 Well, I got this plan and uh, doesn't quite agree with God's word, but I think it'll get it done. It's not wise. Anything that disagrees with what God's word says won't work in accomplishing God's will. So God says, take all your wisdom, throw it in the trash can, and now go to my book. The things I teach you from my word and by my spirit, and by the way, through godly people who know my word and are teaching and preaching your word, well, how do I know? Go to the book yourself and pray. <laughs> Don't believe anything this preacher says just because the preacher said it. Check it out in the Bible, amen. How many times have you heard that here? I don't think we can count the times that, 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 that that's been said here because here's the wisdom right here it's the wisdom that God will use to get his will done it'll be his power too and his salvation because of, became, came because of the price his son paid we are destitute beggars in this spiritual thing in this spiritual thing the Bible says in Christ Jesus there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. God says all I need from you in your Christian life is what I've done for you. And by the way, I put him in you when you got saved. <laughs> That's a pretty humbling but powerful truth, amen. That means I can do what God called me to do. Why? Because I can call on Him. And so can you. That means He says, He's given me the wisdom that I need because I don't have it, so I can call upon Him. You see, unless we realize we're empty, we can't be full. Hang on to what you, your wisdom you got there for a while. I want to use up mine for a while, God. If I get into a tight, a tight place, I'll give you a call. How do you, how do you think that works? Folks, as long as we're trusting in our power, our wisdom, our worth, God can't fill us because why? We're not poor in spirit. We're still trusting in something we think we got. When God has clearly told us so many times to the contrary. No, I saved you. Not to renovate you. I saved you to regenerate you what you were in all aspects would work your works your wisdom your character uh, all of that none of that would work God says as far as I'm concerned when I saved you that man died that person died and I put my son in you and by the way he's the only thing that works his wisdom his grace his power that's why we had that sign back there worship who? worship the son in 21 amen because in Christianity, he is all, and in all, it's his wisdom. It's his wisdom. And I'm thankful for that. <clears throat> he's made all these things, uh, uh, he's been made all these things to us. Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Thou wilt show me uh, the path of life. Uh, Psalm 23, 3, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He does. And I close with this illustration. I think about needing this wisdom. We need the power of God. 
we need the price of God to pay for our salvation, the power of God to live out this salvation, the wisdom of God to walk according to his will, not of our own, not of our own. And uh, <laughs> I was working uh, in, the, in uh, my office slash Sunday school room the other day and uh, in there studying and studying some of these things out and, and many times I'll come to something uh, that you know I don't understand as I'm sure we all do and we'll begin to stop and pray and, and ask for direction of when we're reading or whatever whatever we're studying and or maybe maybe God will lay some you know you'll read some scripture and God will lay someone on your heart and you about that burden they have something in regards to, you know and, and so you'll stop and pray for them and those kind of things so um, um, I was had, had stopped and was and was praying about something uh, sitting up in the chair there and I'll, I'll make the confession I fell asleep <laughs> sitting up in the chair and uh, and all of a sudden something woke me up and it was pitch black pitch black and, 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 and my mind was so discombobulated and uh, I, I'm, I'm, where, where am I? Where, where, am, where, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be? Am I, am I late? I have a bus ride. I, I, I have to be you know, leaving just shortly after seven. You know, am I late for the bus? And, and, and all that thing went, went through me that, that quick and the lights came back on. The power just flashed out here. <laughs> but let me tell you something. For that few seconds there, I had no wisdom to help me in any way. I didn't know up from down. I didn't know right from left. I didn't know light from dark. It was like, where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I late for something? What happened? And then when the lights came back on, I realized, and, of course, and then, and by the way, I did not before, it was, it was only like the whole thing probably lasted at the most, you know, maybe three, three or four seconds. You know, it's, isn't it weird how, how, how you can be that way in dreams and stuff? And, uh, and the light came back on and the Sunday school blew up. By the way, that room is dark early in the morning uh, when all the doors are closed and I don't have lights on uh, out here and I even cover that vent in there uh, so I can just heat that, that room there so any light that was coming in wasn't coming in that vent I'm going to tell you something when that part, when I opened my eyes it was dark and it must have been the, the heater shutting off or something that woke me up some, some, something clicked something the heater that was in the room there something woke me up but I didn't remember hearing that. I just woke up and oh my goodness I'm gonna tell, let me tell you something I felt severely lacking <laughs> in where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. It'll be a good thing by the Spirit of God when we get there, huh? When we get there, huh? And we realize, God, this is all you. This is all you. And I got to trust you. And by the way, you got there when you got saved, whether you realize it or not. See, if you, didn't, if you haven't received salvation as a free gift yet, if you haven't received forgiveness of sins as a free gift yet, you haven't received it yet. Because that's the only way God gives it. When you're not trusting in anything else. When you realize you have nothing to offer. And that Christ will give you eternal life, the scripture says. Then you, then you ask and receive it. And after that, we are to wake up every day realizing... What do I got, God? I have you. I have your word. I have your will. And if I'm foolish enough to trust in something that I have, 
then I'm going to in some way suffer for it and probably so will others too. That's one of the things that God is trying to teach us when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've given you my spirit. If you'll realize, and my word, and I've regenerated you by my spirit. I've put the spirit of my son in your heart. Now if you'll realize just how poor you are, then you can what? Trust in what I've given you and to continue to give you and be full. <laughs> and be full. And have that peace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to be raised up. We need to be held up. And we must be lit up. Must be lit up. And this is just something that's throughout our Christian life, ever trusting in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church, God. I thank you mostly for Jesus Christ. Father, I know the hearts out here echo that praise and that thankfulness, Father, because we know it, it, is, it is a fearful and amazing thing what you have done to accomplish our salvation. And Father, uh, you have made provision for everything that we need. You are the provision for everything that we need to do your will. God, I pray that we would truly be poor in spirit, just acknowledging and receiving the truths that your word tells us about ourselves. We truly realize how hopeless and helpless we are apart from your word, your wisdom, your power, all that you've done for us. Father, uh, having done that, we can trust in you and you enable us by your spirit uh, and may, to be ministers of the New Testament, to be those who spread the gospel and whose lives are being continually changed into the image more and more and more like Jesus Christ every day as we read your word and with this very spirit submit ourselves to what you have for us. Father, help us and and guide us and ever lead us in that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.